we talk about the importance of data and ai governance right um historically as as so many organizations have seen when we try to implement uh, you know anybody who's tried to implement ai or any solution which has been new in the market mm. uh it has always reached a point where an organization faces a challenge Hi everyone, welcome back to another really exciting episode of Voice Out Wednesdays where we at Voice of Crypto get really interesting guests from the web3 blockchain crypto AI and the emerging technologies space and yet again we have a really interesting guest with us we have Mr. Manas Arora who is the director of intelligent op- uh, automation at Capgemini. Hi Manas and it's our pleasure to have you on our podcast today. How are you doing? Hi Varuni. Uh, thanks a lot uh, for having me over today. The pleasure is all ours, I must say, and uh, you're quite a deep name in the space of emerging technologies, and you've had your fair share of experiences in this space, marketing the, the technologies, and watch them. Um, grow really carefully and i'm sure that over the last one decade there has been a major shift in how the industry has progressed so if we take a look at the retrospective view of how the technology has grown how have you seen the industry progress in the last decade uh, in terms of ai and automation manas no certainly uh, you know I, i was exposed to this while everybody was talking digital back in 2010 11 uh, that was the era that there was a large transformation going on from a digital front uh, i personally got uh, involved in the subject of automation in ai which of course evangelized to the other topics of web 3.0 around blockchain metaverse and all these sort of new technologies kind of coming in so <clears throat> what i've seen retrospectively is definitely the fact that uh, it's a big technology revolution which is now uh, driving the industry uh, a lot of things will change uh the way we work the way we interact with brands the way we work uh, you know in our day to day basis uh, how we draw intelligence uh back again when all of this started uh, you know technology in some form or automation in some form or the other had always existed right uh, to put things in perspective there was some sort of workflow automation which always existed uh, there was basic macro automation which was always there right uh, but uh, it, around the age of 2013 2014 i think that is where robotic process automation came in and we we typically divide and you know i i personally like to put these into three buckets uh, bucket one is something that mimics human actions so that is your robotic process automation which has no bit of intelligence but it will purely mimic the human actions uh, the second part which sort of started spreading very wild uh, wildly within enterprises and organizations after 2016 17 was the semi cognitive piece right um, uh, which of course would complement the larger robotics market and the semi cognitive piece uh, uh, you know is is something that augments the way a human thinks right so it works alongside a human so something like intent recognition natural language processing those are the kind of thoughts that started coming in and poc started and organizations started exploring strategies around it products started coming in the market uh but now is the most interesting part and this is where we see something which we call as a fully cognitive solution or a fully cognitive automation which mimics human intelligence so it is capable of understanding each and every sentiment that a human has understand the customer profile uh respond to queries and a lot of products are sort of coming out uh, in this perspective in the market so uh and this is where my key interest also is right so uh, 
beyond my day job, I, I prefer working and exploring trends and discussing those amongst the community around uh, how automation is progressing in the market. Absolutely. And um, I must say that the, the technology itself has seen quite a bit of growth. Um, in the last couple of years itself, you're pretty right about the products and services, the end number of um, solutions that are coming up that are sort of AI and automation centric. But this isn't something that we're seeing right now. It has happened for almost a decade now. In terms of, and I'm, I see that AI has been the buzzword for most of this year. We can also see uh, quite yeah. a few questions flowing in at this moment, which we will be addressing uh, towards the end of the session. But uh, basis the questions that we're also getting i'm sure everyone's excited to sort of picturize or uh, predict what uh, a future around ai would look like what sort of a view will we see if we talk about how uh, the industry transformation would pan out with ai and automation in picture how do you as someone who is um, let's say an insider in the industry how would you picture it so i typically try and put this again the answer in three buckets uh, uh, for 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 an easy understanding right so one is the pure play ai uh, ecosystem which is which i said is now evolved to fully cognitive automation we are looking at a new age of generative ai as well uh, which has varied applications and we'll uh, you know i'll try and touch upon that later in the conversation of how and uh, what are the key challenges around it as well but then largely uh, bucket one is AI itself. So a lot of product innovation around AI, creating accelerators, uh, taking them uh, to the customers, the customers themselves evangelizing it for their own business as per their industry. So that is bucket one. Bucket two of what I see is, is the important part of it is AI working along with the new ecosystem such as blockchain and metaverse, right? Uh, that is a fairly important bucket because it's it's all together a new ecosystem that the world is trying to explore. Uh, brands are trying to reach out to their customers in a new way altogether. Uh, uh, blockchain is impacting security. It's it's creating a lot of buzz around uh, you know how to keep things safe uh, when we when there are uh, different transactions happening which are sensitive in nature. So how AI plays a role there? That's bucket number two. Uh, and bucket number three is we talk about the importance of data and AI governance, right? Um, historically, as as so many organizations have seen when we've tried to implement, uh, you know, anybody who's tried to implement AI or any solution which has been new in the market, hmm. uh, it has always reached a point where an organization faces a challenge to govern it. So AI governance becomes a very big challenge. Now, uh, a lot of AI solutions are being plugged in in organizations and different functions, different units, uh, but how is that going to be governed? Is the AI effective enough, right? So the data strategy is is very important now. You know, the data popped out as a top uh, sort of an anchor when we spoke about uh, marketing in the earlier days, right? Uh, data, doing customer profiles, social listening, all of those things sort of uh, uh, it started buzzing in the market somewhere around 2014-15. But now. Uh, pretty much uh, data is at the heart of AI. Uh, if your data is not correct, your models will never outperform or perform the way that you expect them to. And that is something that organizations are typically looking to achieve in today's data. Absolutely. So, so 
couldn't agree more on the fact that data is one of the most important things. And we can see that the big firms, the big four, are already playing around their data management. You very correctly in the previous um, answer also mentioned how um, how sort of AI would develop and how and what sort of challenges could organizations face going forward. However, when we um, when we talk about the early adopters in each industry, and there's there's a certain low hanging fruit that every industry sort of aims to capture. When we take a look at um, AI, can you explain some of the low hanging areas in business operations? Like you didn't mention workflow management has already sort of adopted AI, but what uh, other organizations or sectors, so to say, would first enter the AI race, according to you? So uh, good question. I think uh, the way I would want to answer this is, again, uh, uh, AI is always divided as per a particular intent that a business or an enterprise, whether it's a small enterprise, medium enterprise, or a large enterprise, the way they're trying to solve a problem, right? So uh, typically, we see AI for people. Uh, AI for automation and AI for decisions, right? Uh, these are the three uh, areas where AI plays a very, very important role. Now, yeah. when I say AI for people, it is about making lives of people easier within an organization to do their jobs daily, right? Uh, yeah. A lot of organizations are outsourcing and setting up captive units uh, uh, in, in, in different low-cost locations purely from the purpose of saving cost. Uh, but mm -hmm. then the factor, uh, and this is just a representative example, but they are processing documents in several languages, right? Uh, a simple language translation utility uh, is a very small example of, uh, of you know, uh, a, a machine learning enabled engine which could understand mm -hmm. different formats, uh, extract the information, create the relevance, create a case and post it, right? So uh, in that perspective, I think uh, AI for people is, is what helps people's lives become easier than a lot of organizations are already automating a lot of processes, right? Uh, classic example in finance, invoice processing, right? Uh, a lot of organizations want their invoices to go straight through payments to go out so that they don't default on contracts, on payments, etc. Now, in that particular sense, uh, uh, intelligent document processing, uh, which is which is another very important uh, part of how AI for automation, how AI really helps an automation to perform better, right? Uh, mm. email management now in the front office environment a lot of organizations have multiple emails coming in uh, it takes them a lot of time to respond to unhappy customers right so if a customer is unhappy and you take uh, 10 hours to respond to that customer you probably would have just lost the customer by then right how do you really make sure that uh, you have an AI to actually read the emails understand the sentiments take corrective action respond to the uh, customer, keep them warm, and, and you know all the corrective measures that need to be taken internally also get communicated within the enterprise, right? So uh, this is where AI for uh, automation really plays an important role. And then comes AI for decisions. Now, uh, we typically you know divide analytics into four different parts, uh, diagnostic, descriptive, predictive, and prescriptive, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, descriptive is very simple. It, it collects data and it shows you a visualization of what really is happening in your ecosystem. Mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. The minute we try and double click on something which is diagnostic, right, which finds a problem, right, prescriptive, uh, which tells you a corrective action to take before something goes wrong, right? So our predictive, which will predict an action uh, that, that is going to happen or a forecast which is going to go wrong or, or uh, you know, a particular customer behavior 
uh, which is being noted within uh, within your systems could make the customer leave you, right? It's as simple as that. So this is where AI for decisions, your custom ML models uh, come into play, where you can actually mm -hmm. help build these models to understand your problem statements better, take action well within time to solve the problem, and, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Uh, to further elaborate, I think I can talk about two industry verticals and two horizontals uh, where AI plays a very big role uh, in today's date. And they were pretty much the early adopters. One is uh, financial services. Now, banking as an industry, uh, we all know anti-money laundering, uh, know, your, know your customer, which is KYC, uh, are two very important processes for any bank uh, uh, irrespective of the tar that they, whether it's retail, whether it's commercial, uh, whether it's corporate, you know, uh, it, it doesn't matter, you know, uh, uh, if any of the tars, they will all need these two functionalities to happen, right? Now, uh, a bank would do 2 million, 3 million, 4 million transactions in a day, right? Mm -hmm. How do you really know that some of these transactions are falling out of line, something that is not really uh within uh within the boundaries or the regulations set by the bank or it's it's against a particular pattern of a customer so we typically use unsupervised learning there uh mm. machine models where it's it's based on pattern detection and it takes out the anomalies and it points out the anomalies to to the bank to investigate further right uh to which also ai you know can possibly do that bit of investigation uh mm. again know your customer involves uh managing sensitive information so there is a component of security and gdpr at least in europe uh, on how you are managing mm. the document. but it also has a sense of making sure if 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 the documents uh uploaded are authentic they were taking at the right location at the right time basically if you're doing a live kyc you have to make sure that the documents are collected there and then so uh, banking typically, uh, you know, uh, mm. in a lot of uh, uh, flux, I would say, around uh, AI being adopted very quickly. Uh, yeah. Beyond this, I think I would typically want to also put focus on manufacturing as an industry. So manufacturing, again, um, you know, uh, manufacturing itself has evolved so much over the years, right? And I, I typically always compare this era of software automation and ai to something that the industrial age had you know sort of achieved several years back mm -hmm. but then uh, to manage the integrities uh, or the nitty-gritties in fact uh, of any manufacturing process so say if if, uh, if a large car brand is manufacturing a car right and if they're welding uh, different parts together to create the overall structure of the car and if the welds actually um, have a gap in it or they're not done properly uh, they can lead to an accident and possibly, you know, uh, harm the customers that they have in their brand image. But are are they in the position to manually inspect every joint of the weld? No, they're not. So they use AI for that visual analysis. And again, data becomes very important because you have to annotate the right data to make sure the algorithm knows what's right and what's wrong. And then it sort of auto learns over time. Uh, again, when I pick up a few examples of horizontals, finance, of course, uh, uh, very low-hanging fruit. Uh, we've mm. seen finance transformations uh, mm. over the years, along with contact center, again, being uh, one of the early adopters of tech because uh, that typically affects the revenue cycle of an organization. Mm. Uh, so uh, finance, we've seen automation and AI play a very, very important role in every single function. So we typically mark out three value chains, uh, procure to pay, 
uh, order to cash and uh, you know uh, the quarter report so in these three cycles on every step we've seen ai play a very very important role um, and a lot of products which are out there in the market already have started adopting ai uh, inherently so something like a black line high radius would already have ai being built into them to help uh, mm. customers absorb technology better uh, but yeah. more importantly it's about uh, organizations building products to solve a particular problem for the company uh, which mm. which is happening at the moment so yeah. yeah yeah so very well categorized how uh, these sectors happen dependent on ai and automation and you also made a great comparison about how uh, the sort of leap that we have made in terms of how industries function is or sort of is comparable to um, the industrial revolution that we saw long back and um, you briefly touched upon um, d2c uh, on the d2c industry and how there are more products that are targeted towards uh, directly towards the customers how is ai going to change customer interaction uh, with brands between brands and customers or consumers in the future because that again is one uh, arena and you did mention how it is already in play but if you could focus a little bit more on that and touch upon the front of d2c industries and how they would leverage from the tech so certainly yes i think uh, when we segment customers we always segment them into three categories uh, segment one are the millennials uh, mm-hmm. which we all think are extremely tech savvy and they want everything to be resolved at a click uh segment 2 is 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 what's between the old age of the gen y as we typically call it but then what's mm-hmm. between the older generation and the millennials uh i think we belonging to the middle part of the whole generation are the most conflicted so we would mm-hmm. we would still want a, a personalized phone call uh, to a contact center to interact and get our problems solved uh, and or we would sometimes want things to be solved at a click but the older generation definitely still uh, and a lot of research has been done in the market for this uh, a lot of papers also published would still prefer to have an interaction with a brand yeah. uh, through voice or through visual uh, interfaces right uh, so in that perspective i think if i pick up the interaction with the brand i'll i i break it into two parts one is customer service Uh, mm. where, you know how the brands are servicing their customers today, mm. and this could be across uh, your D two C segment or B two B segment as well. Uh, or and the second part of this is uh, your marketing and sales. That's the yeah. second touch point that we typically see organizations have in a generic sense more towards the customers, and these these are the two areas where the servicing angle is very very heavy. Now. from a customer service standpoint uh, you know there was an era again as i just explained in the beginning how robotics has moved on to semi cognitive and now to cognitive automation uh, when we talk about customer service and self service channels pure, purely right which serves the millennials the best uh, there used to be rule based chatbots before you know you could log yeah. into a website uh, solve to ask a particular question it will give you a guided resolution and you'll get to a particular answer and close mm-hmm. the uh issue and if your answer doesn't get uh, if you don't get the answer you probably pick up the phone and call the contact center mm-hmm. right yeah. uh but then came uh, you know chatbots or now we are living in an era of chatbots which we typically call as conversational ai right now yeah. uh, earlier we only had the medium of talking to an automated system through text but now we have something that where we can speak to an automated system through text voice or even a digital mm-hmm. human avatar 
right? So yeah. all three are typically possible, and I'll, I'll elaborate a bit on that. Now, from a conversational standpoint, when we talk about uh, a text-based conversational uh, design, we typically would look at a system which is able to understand the sentiment, understand the customer profile, validate the customer if the customer is actually an authentic customer and not somebody uh, who's okay. trying to hack into the system or trying to trying to steal somebody else's identity mm -hmm. and cause some damage. But then uh, the idea behind this is uh, actually having a real-time inter interaction with the customer, understanding these different aspects that I said, sentiments, customer profiling, understanding the request, and then triggering it back to your backend systems to make those relevant changes for your customer, right? Uh, for example, somebody could be calling a bank or chatting with a bank mm -hmm. to change the pin of their ATM card, right? So once they're uh, once they once they pass through the security questions and you know the, the validation is done, then the AI is capable of triggering a response back to the backend systems to change that whether there's a mainframe systems or old legacy banking systems get a response and communicate it back to the customer. That's that's the element one of what I'm discussing. Element two is the voice part of it, right? Now contact centers uh, typically uh, organizations feel that they are slightly more cost heavy uh in terms of and also from a from an employee experience standpoint doing repetitive stuff is something that kills the employee motivation and uh experience to work mm -hmm. uh and that is why we typically see a contact center industry has the highest rate of iterations amongst uh, very few mm -hmm. other industries who have a very high level of iteration right uh, this is where a, a voice spot really comes into play. This is where, you know, a conversational AI where, you know, uh, and this is something that is being implemented as we speak in a lot of organizations. A lot of organizations are trying it. Uh, there's a lot of study around it where a person can actually interact using a voice channel with an IVR that speaks the same language, understands the dialect. It has a component of generative AI as well. Uh, yeah. which we can touch upon later, but then it, it is capable of having a voice conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the third segment of what I want to speak about is human-based digital avatars, right? Now, uh, out of the three groups that I defined, gen, uh, the millennials, us in the middle, and the older generation, us in the middle and the older generation, right? Uh, sort of always want to uh, have a face-to-face -face interaction if possible. Mm -hmm. This is how we've seen technology transform in our years and ages, right? Now, in that sense, creating a human avatar who can understand what you're talking about, set the content, mm -hmm. interpret. And we all know that systems don't understand words. They understand digits. They work binary, right? How do you really communicate? And then there's a complete algorithm to understand uh, the digital avatar, which looks like a human, is interacting with you, will respond to you with the same emotions and this this plays a very very important role in the healthcare industry uh, for say uh, pre-operation post-operation sort of surgical care this can play a very very important role in the banking industry where uh, you know uh, somebody who's looking to go and uh, sit and take some investment advice for example or advise around opening a bank account or closing a bank account or something like that right so uh, this is where we've seen increased use cases around it or this could even target uh, your own employee experience, right? Uh, or mm -hmm. customer experience. You walk into a retail store. Uh, there are so many stores now, uh, at least in the UK, US, and all these other economies where you don't have people in the store. People walk in, people <laughs> yeah, buy. That's a new thing. Uh, if they fall into a problem, 
uh, if there is an interactive AI, a visual AI, which they can speak to, get an answer, yeah. give them a more personalized experience altogether. So yeah. I think if we wrap it all together, uh, uh, customer experience from a contact center standpoint has transformed beyond the typical rule-based uh, chatbots to now voice-enabled chatbots, yeah. um, to more digital avatar-based uh, chatbots where you can actually have live conversation. Now, coming to sales and marketing, again, uh, that's that's the second point of how brands really interact with their customers. I think the very, very important element to that is customer profiling, knowing what a customer wants, um, you know, uh, understanding how the customer's social, you know, social media behavior is, what they've been yeah. looking, searching. Uh, so all of this sort of involves uh, the very strong AI models that are built at the back end. Um, again, the, some of them are built using clustering techniques. Some of them uh, could be you know, could be regressive as well. And this is where they sort of speak and evaluate and create a customer profile uh, and then target uh, a sale or a marketing campaign to a customer in a personalized manner. And we we sort of started experiencing that on our daily lives, you know, on Google, on Instagram, and some of these other yeah, channels. And uh, brands also look at uh, direct reach or email reach out in that sense also to create that impact. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure with hyper-personalization at the center of it, most of the brands want to head towards automation and AI. And uh, it, it is going to, without a doubt, change the face of customer interaction. Already has for a lot of, not just bigger, but uh, tier two, tier three brands and uh, firms as well. So, I mean, I'm sure this has been a question in a lot of uh, enterprises' mind, whether, you know, how they should automate. Should they even automate and um, I'm not sure whether everyone or every other firm on the face of this earth does need automation or AI in any way, or would they follow the hype that is around the sector, the current hype? We can uh, we can't, can't deny that uh, with AI and automation being the buzzword, a lot of entrepreneurs sort of uh, wanted to pivot towards that. And the same happened with blockchain Web three um, two years down the lane. I mean, two years back. So. Uh, you as an insider know how the tech works and what sort of enterprises should actually go ahead and adopt it. So how does an enterprise decide whether they need to automate, what they should exactly automate and how to manage automation? Because I'm sure once it is in place, there would be um, there would be some sort of backend management that would still be required. So yeah. how does one answer all of those questions? So. So I think the most important part to this is, uh, is not only defined uh, you know, while it is defined at an organization level, right? Uh, uh, so how I have experienced this as an organization always has, and it's very industry specific, right? So mm -hmm. financial services would always want to start exploring some of these uh, solutions that bring transparency to the table like blockchain first, right? So it's, it's quite an industry fitment. Visual AI is something that a manufacturing would always want to explore first. So every industry has a certain... Uh, uh, push to what they want to explore, but principally, I think how how an organization operates is at a at a unit level, then at a business level, and then at an organization level, right? So multiple units make up a business. Uh, multiple businesses within an organization make up the organization, right? This mm. is how a structure typically is. Now, uh, at any given point in time, and uh, let's try and put focus on medium and large enterprises. Uh, they always typically have something or the other going on, at least as a proof of concept, right? Oh, yeah. um, now, what's very important is 
for an organization to set its strategy right. Now, when we say set its strategy right in terms of uh, a lot of organizations uh, today, and this is all public research, face a lot of challenges in managing their own IT ecosystems or tech tech mm -hmm. landscape or tech uh, you know uh, ecosystem that they built within. Right. So. Uh, firstly, not land in that issue is very important. How do you really manage that is first identify the key business drivers. Uh, let's not go for a new technology till the time you don't have a clear objective of what you're looking to achieve out of that technology, right? Yeah. And it's always not cost takeout. We see a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of organizations. I've seen, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, I speak at a lot of forums. I meet a lot of industry uh, peers and clients as well. And the, what I've seen is uh, sometimes the objective is beyond just cost takeout. It could be regulatory compliance, mm -hmm. could be customer experience, could just be, uh, you know, legacy systems not making them do their job right and a lot of manual effort and employee experience going for a toss. So it is, it is, and there are enough technologies in the market now. So there is process mining, uh, which, which helps you understand how your process is really functioning. What are the bottlenecks? Uh, gives you directional advice on what could be automated and automation mm -hmm. when I say it's not only robotics, it could be AI, it could be custom built solutions to solve that particular problem. Uh, there is an era of citizen development, which the organizations are now trying, mm -hmm. where they're trying to democratize automation, where everybody mm -hmm. can automate their mundane tasks or issues that they face uh, in their daily, daily work. And, uh, but, but what I feel on a on basis, the research that I've been doing so far, I think what's important are three metrics, right? Uh, first is the value stream analysis. So if you're automating a process, first analyze the process to see whether it's really fit for uh, an automation or a transformation or not, or whether you can achieve a particular metric by just uh, optimizing the process and not really force fitting technology on top of it. Second thing uh, where I see a lot of challenges is uh, not mapping the risks and controls associated with a process properly, right? Uh, a lot of processes in an organization can impact, uh, say, if you if you touch a finance process the wrong way, it can impact your regulatory reporting, it can impact uh, what you're declaring in the market, and eventually can, can get you into a lot of fines and problems, right? So if you're mm -hmm. looking to achieve uh, Automation in that sense, I think you should first map the risk and controls. Uh, so process first, risks and controls, and then look at the right fit of technology mm. uh, to solve your problem. So uh, uh, in a nutshell, an organization uh, works both in a tactical and a strategic manner. Uh, mm. And uh, this is where uh, AI comes very, very relevant. Mm. Now, AI, again, could be implemented as a tactical solution to solve a mm -hmm. point problem or as a strategic solution to solve the problem of a larger value chain. So this is where I typically see uh, this juggling between the, the realms of organization. No, that does make sense. When we talk about AI, I think a big chunk of the, the spotlight that AI takes is taken by generative AI, especially if you look at um, the major controversies. Very recently, I was uh, reading a news report wherein a US judge ruled about copyrights and whether generative AI should get copyrights for, um, uh, I think, a few of US, uh, US's Hollywood screenplay writers were had been protesting about copyrights for films. And of course, it went in favor of human ingenuity. However, uh, when we talk about generative AI, we have seen immense progress in that one arena. Um, we've already seen um, generative AI come up 
with i think graphics text was i think the first thing that they came up yeah. with and then there was music and so much more what are the new trends i'm sure that there'll be more incoming and how uh, are sort of product companies progressing with these emerging trends around generative ai so i think generative ai in particular is is taking a big leap uh, and i'll spend mm-hmm. about a minute just trying to explain uh, what i mean by that so uh, we all started with the open ai and open ai was the buzzword at that point in time uh, gpt came out with multiple versions uh, now we have gpt4 in the market but we also mm-hmm. have google bard which is which is uh, something that google plans to get in competition which is again around the plm4 as they call it which is going to come in competition with gpt4 uh elon musk is now talking about another ai company which is going to go and explore the universe so i think in that sense uh, a lot of developments are happening which is which is which we already call as pre trained large models right this is this is the industry term for it so these are pre trained models which can which can generate a response and you know we we and i i touch upon a, it a, a little later around different use cases around it but then uh, the industry definitely as i said and this is this is something that i largely feel both from an organization perspective and from an industry wide perspective mm-hmm. regulations is and governance is very important on how this is going to proceed right mm-hmm. now OpenAI came. Uh, a lot of organizations got into the race of competing. Of course, uh, uh, you know, uh, first to come to the market, get the most amount of recognition, and then people are generally building products and enhancing them. Uh, for example, Adobe came out with something called as Adobe Firefly. For example, mm-hmm. GitHub has come up with uh, Copilot X, which is supporting uh, the developer community. Right? Mm-hmm. Bing, uh, the Microsoft Bing has come up with an image creation AI. so uh, a lot of these nvidia is also doing a, a lot of yep. good work around the same right so a lot of organizations are trying to now uh, wrap their products with a layer of generative mm-hmm. ai um, and uh, how this is really impacting the market is in the sense of again diversified offerings landing in right uh, uh, a lot of these offerings could mercedes benz for example is now their voice assistant in their cars is going to be ai generated mm-hmm. a uh, generative ai will use generative ai at the back end so i think the key element which everybody is wanting to now focus on is how these pre trained large models can work with company knowledge and data yeah. right so it can't be relied alone on a large model there has to be company knowledge and data which gets combined with this element of generative ai and how will this really add value to an organization whether it's for their own employees or whether it's for their customers so uh, and this is where the buzz is now and this is where all these mm-hmm. products are trying to focus now a lot of organizations are trying to build products and offerings and services around this so, yes. yeah. so you you already mentioned quite a few big names who are uh, leveraging generative ai are mm-hmm. there any other upcoming uh, upcoming trends in terms of generative ai particularly if we talk about top brands or companies that are already working on solutions do you have any names or uh, trends in mind that are upcoming so again as i as i said mercedes benz is one example which is yeah. which is public information we they they're trying to integrate generative ai as a part of their uh, voice uh, response system within the car but mm-hmm. uh, when we look at generative ai we usually kind of divide that into five blocks right so we start with text everybody knows about text that right? it can help you generate content uh yeah. it can it can you know uh, write sales emails it could do n number of things when it comes to text 
the second part of this is image right the real business application comes from the more complex use cases while text is very important more from a customer experience standpoint and generating responses in terms of text but the image part of it is 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 also helping organizations in a big way you know in terms of uh, creating 3d models including generating images which are custom or designing prototypes uh, mm -hmm. this is where image based generative ai is really creating an impact we see video based uh, uh, generative AI, which is also now popping up in the market. So uh, basically how to, you know, show your product to the market, video creation, mm -hmm. etc. Then we have an element of speech. Now speech plays a very, very important role in terms of uh, accent coherence, in terms of generating an accent, generating a response. Uh, you know, these are the different areas where we see uh, uh, speech also play. And then, of course, we spoke about code or how it's helping the coders in the market to to sort of uh, code better text to program or an app idea, you explain an app idea and it'll start writing the code for you. Systems are that intelligent. But uh, uh, there is, uh, we have seen examples in the market, Italy banned uh, uh, the use of uh, ChatGPT in their country, but unless the point, until the point when it was clarified and now it's open to use again, but Europe is actually planning to put in strong regulations around the use of uh, generative AI and how all these uh, will start working here. So uh, as a perspective, yes, organizations have started exam uh, utilizing it. Uh, Unity mm -hmm. as an organization, again, uh, Unity is, is one of the world's largest 3D model creators, right? They've you know, included Gen AI in this and they've put out two new accelerators. Uh, mm -hmm. in their offering, which which can work with customers to to provide that end-to-end -end experience as well. And they don't have to rely on other models. So uh, I think it's, it'll be exciting to see over the next five years how all these products really uh, fit into the market, which ones survive, which one move out. Uh, a lot of organizations, uh, even service providers, are now building their own products and offerings around it, uh, which, are, which are quite market-facing in that sense. Absolutely. So I'm sure big leaps in coming for the sector as a whole in the next five years. However, we can't deny that regulations and uh, yeah. compliances will play a huge role in how the technology itself develops. So uh, when we talk about upcoming trends, one another trend that has been in the market when we speak about AI in particular is its integration or the convergence of AI with blockchain, metaverse, Web3 technologies. Um, how do you, what sort of role do you think artificial intelligence or Gen AI would play in uh, with uh, sort of this another emerging technology that has been around for some time? So I think uh, uh, they have to coexist. In fact, they have to integrate to work better. Uh, there is no way either of these technologies can survive on their own, uh, at least in, in the near future and how the world is progressing and how how uh, financial crimes or other fraudulent activities are also increasing, which, which of course, if, as any new technology comes in, the bad elements also try and solve it. So giving you a perspective on uh, blockchain, of, very fundamentally, we know that a blockchain is a distributed ledger that you know sort of duplicates and distributes a transaction amongst different computers in its network, right, in the blockchain. Now, blockchain will help you avoid fraud will avoid will help you avoid any sort of hacking in that sense and mm. keep a very legit record of how the transactions are flowing comes very effective in finance contract management supply chain uh, but then very very interestingly I'll, I'll pick up an example of healthcare for example now when we look at the healthcare industry 
uh, clinical trials, drug trials, you know, uh, patient data uh, is 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 very very key and important. It's very very personal to an organization and to the individual as well, right? It's it's not public information. Uh, how blockchain will enable this is by actually creating an ecosystem where the data flows in an authorized way from point A to point B, being tracked on who's accessing the data uh, and how it is being utilized. But AI is the one that is going to actually evaluate the whole data, right? Uh, create and understand how that data is really going to. So, for example, um, how a particular drug is reacting to a group of individuals uh, in their genomes or the way their bodies are reacting, right? Cal you know, utilizing that data to create an insight is something that AI is going to do. So, as I said, they both have to coexist. Again, uh, uh, it seems like my favorite topic, but then again, in frauds, uh, when we talk about financial services, there's pattern-based recognition. Now, yeah. even if transactions are flowing through the blockchain from one node to the other, uh, at a node level, if an AI software starts evaluating all the transactions which are happening, there can be a significant uprise uh, uh, or a very early detection of a particular problem uh, in a financial services environment, right? Uh, but it comes with its own challenges naturally because the computing power required to uh, to to run AI and blockchain together is going to be phenomenal. Uh, mm. We all understand that, and it's a large mm. infrastructure cost for a lot of organizations. How yeah. this gets offered as a service on the cloud is something that is going to be very very interesting to see. And even if it does or if it does not, but then uh, that'll be an important thing to see. And who owns the data is going to be the second big challenge, right? So. Uh, while data is secure and we're all talking about blockchain, keeping it secure. And if you add AI on the top of it, how do we really ensure data integrity and security of a layer on top of blockchain? So uh, this is how I look at blockchain playing uh, uh, an AI coexisting. Uh, mm. Whereas uh, if you ask about the metaverse, I think uh, a very bold move uh, that Facebook uh, and the other associate companies rebranded themselves as meta altogether. That's that shows their commitment to the metaverse. Uh, but metaverse is nothing but a 3D environment, right? Uh, where you have humans experience something that they haven't experienced as such while interacting on the web or with a brand, right? So, picking one example of say a retail industry, for example, right? Uh, if if a retail industry says that I want to open a metaverse store, right, uh, and I want my customers to come there and explore the products and place orders, right? how do you really create that experience right uh, when we talk about uh, whether the customer profile you know uh, what kind of shows have they already liked on instagram where are they going understanding that is all ai enabled ai is something that is going to read those algorithm uh, whether it's personalized shopping whether it's uh, you know uh, virtual trial rooms that you're looking at whether it's gamification of the shopping experience altogether uh, taking customer feedback uh, these are the typical areas where AI and metaverse together will again play. And uh, very broadly dividing it again, if I pick up what I said earlier, AI for people, mm -hmm. AI for decisions, and AI for automation. Uh, all these three realms will fit into both uh, metaverse and blockchain. Absolutely. And uh, you're, you're completely right about while there is, it's almost inevitable that the technologies more, won't move together. So we are essentially looking towards a future that will involve these emerging technologies working hand in hand and maybe a lot more transformative solutions in the market for customers and uh, clients alike. 
uh, we've almost come towards the end of our really interesting uh, half an hour, 40 minutes session and uh, a really insightful, I think, presentation of how AI has transformed and will continue to transform uh, lives and uh, businesses in general. I think my last question, Manas, to you would be what sort of a future do you imagine and do you have any final closing thoughts on, uh, well, our topic for the day was exploring the transformative power of generative AI and we spoke in depth about uh, generative AI, AI and uh, how companies are leveraging this at this point and what sort of a future do we imagine for, um, for these technologies in the future? So what would be your final closing thoughts? And while I hate to use the word predictions, but I guess I will just might as well. So what do you sort of envision for this space going forward? So I think uh, it's it's at a curve uh, like never mm. before seen, right? Uh, technology has never been yeah. this. Uh, it's, it's never gone literally at a vertical peak, as I would say. Uh, and it's still growing and it's still moving ahead. Uh, I think uh, the blockchain and metaverse are still fairly unexplored uh, because mm. Uh, organizations are still trying to absorb the value of AI. Uh, but yeah. as soon as they understand and absorb the value of AI and start looking at the real transformative value it is delivering, they will look at alternate ecosystems to start implementing this in, which we which we typically call as metaverse uh, or yeah. the blockchain. Uh, and it, in my opinion, I think the way uh, financial frauds in today's era happen the way mm. customer servicing is happening today, uh, I think it's due to change not 10 years from now, not five years. I think next two to three years, we'll see a very, very uh, major shift in that. So this is this is my final thought. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And um, in, in the Web3 space, we always say we're still early and it is it stays true even for emerging technologies like artificial intelligence and generative AI. We are still early and the learning curve, is, I'm sure, is huge so i guess this was a really insightful session for me and for our um listeners as well i am sure that we had a lot to take away from the session about this technology that we understand so little about as uh, if we talk about the masses and it was indeed an incredible session manas there were a few questions about um i'm not sure if you will be able to answer them go ahead that's right um, so there was a question about how generative AI is going to affect content creators, if at all, in the future. So I think uh, generative AI will never take uh, the complete edge of uh, you know uh, content creation uh, in that sense, right? Because when yeah. when we write the content, there's a large element of empathy. Or I'll say generative AI is a little away from that, or a little far from that. I'm yeah. you know it's for us to find out if it's going to reach that point or not. But I think the human element of understanding uh, and empathizing towards a cause while writing content is is going to be way different from a system which is going to be largely objective uh, yeah. to a degree of emotions, but then it can't completely empathize and uh, write the article the same way. Uh, we all are used to reading content which is more human generated and it's very easily, uh, a lot of people can find out the difference between uh, 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 AI generated content versus a human uh, generated content, right? So, uh, largely in that sense, I think uh, some of these, uh, some of the parts which are redundant, which are repetitive, which are easier, uh, could be replaced by the generative AI. It could give you a directional sense, but then uh, content creation would still, I think, in the near future, be a human uh, 
um, touch skill that that still should remain. However, AI is doing a lot of it now. A lot of sales emails, as I said, a lot of marketing campaigns, a lot of letters or uh, you know yeah. uh, documents are now coming through AI. But then I'm I'm sure there's still some space for the content creation to stay in the hands of humans in that sense. Let's let's hope so, or we we would all be out of business essentially. There was another question. Uh, wherein Mr. Amitraj wanted to know whether SaaS companies are under threat due to AI or is AI going to be integrated into SaaS tools and applications going forward? So I think the latter, uh, uh, of course, it's a race, as I said, because the market is now pretty, pretty growing pretty vertically, right? So uh, I think the organizations need to evolve and, uh, and catch the pace uh, for their own survival. Uh, and for that, I think most of the SaaS companies, at least the strong ones, the established ones, uh, and even the startups now are focusing a lot on AI and, and the new ecosystems which are emerging in the market. Uh, and naturally, as it's, it's an evolution cycle, as things progress, as as you know, as we also evolved, a lot of things went redundant, and we learned new things, mm-hmm. and we had to adapt to new ways. And I think similarly, SaaS companies also are doing that. And I gave a few examples as well of. Uh, you know, document processing tools in the market are already uh, coming with pre-built ML models, which need to be trained and deployed. Uh, uh, core technologies like finance transformations, like Blackline and High Radius, also get some bit of uh, machine learning and AI enabled into it. So, I think uh, SaaS companies are already adapting to the new shift, uh, and the ones who don't might face a hard time. But I think most of them are, and all the new startups that are now also coming have AI involved in them in some form or the other. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. And thank you so much for answering our questions and joining us today, Manas. And I feel like the verdict is in. AI is here to stay, at least uh, for the next decade. And let's see what wonders we see from AI moving hand in hand with other uh, emerging technologies like blockchain, metaverse and Web3. Once again, thanks so much for joining us, Manas. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for the session. Likewise. And we'll see our uh, viewers next time. same place, same time with another really interesting guest. Thank you.